0: Hallelujah. There's power in the name of Jesus, isn't there? There's healing in the name of Jesus. <laughs> Judah gave me a love smack on my rear on his way out. Good game. Hey, uh, Nan, will you come back? My mother had a word this morning, and I feel like it's appropriate for that word to go ahead and be be spoken right now. Again, um, I'd hate for you to miss it. Sarah, bet you don't have to come up though.
1: Thank you, Lord. 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 Lord. Oh, we love the word of the Lord. Honor. We love the word of the Lord, and we despise not prophesying, Lord. Oh, we love your word, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I'm having to kind of regroup, and so let's just seek the Lord just the a The Lord would open up the ears. As, that the ears yes, would be opened up. Yes, that's right. But uh, we're starting on a new year this morning. We're stepping out into the sixth year as the church on the hill here. It's a new year. And we've asked the Holy Spirit to come. And he said yes. Because Jesus said that if you ask the Holy Spirit to come, he says yes, I will come. And we're not like uh, the, the people used to be. We don't have to tarry and wait. The Comforter is here. The Holy Spirit has come. Jesus has applied the blood and the Spirit has been poured out. And we welcome you, Holy Spirit. I hope you have felt welcome as we have sung your praises and exalted Jesus here, and I believe you have because you came. But when the Holy Spirit comes, he brings gifts. That was part of what uh, he wanted me to say, is that he brings gifts. And as he has come this morning, he has brought gifts of the Holy Spirit. There are nine gifts of the Holy Spirit there in 1 Corinthians 12, 13, 14. Uh, Tongues, interpretations, and prophecy. Healing, miracles, and faith. And the word of wisdom, the word of knowledge, and uh, discerning of spirits. And uh, and we want to tell you, Holy Spirit, we don't think your gifts are weird. And we don't think they're odd. And, and, and we don't want to leave them laying on the altar unopened. But we want to open your gifts this morning, Holy Spirit. And we want your gifts distributed among the brothers. As you will, Holy Spirit, as you will healing and miracles and, and faith and discerning of spirits. We welcome you tongues, interpretation and prophecy. We welcome you to be released here in the name of Jesus. And the Lord has said this morning that the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon us. And he has anointed us to preach the gospel to the poor, to uh, uh, heal the sick, to uh, uh, speak comfort to the brokenhearted. And and then he said especially to open the ears of the deaf this morning. He wants the deaf ears open. He wants his body to be able to hear the word of the Lord and to hear what the Spirit is saying to yes. the church. Right. Let him that has ears hear what the Spirit is saying to the church this morning. Jesus said that in, in the first three chapters of Revelation seven times. Let the church hear What the spirit is saying to the church this morning in your spiritual ears and then in your deaf ears, in your deaf ears, and especially for Gagne, this is especially for you. I forgot your first name, Andrea, Andrea Gagne. The word of the Lord to you is let your deaf ears hear this morning in the name of Jesus. Let the deaf ears hear in the name of Jesus. You're going to hear a popping sound inside your ear. And your ear is going to hear this morning in the name of Jesus.
0: Amen. Amen. That was good. Amen. Give the Lord a hand clap. We had an absolute breakout morning this morning of healing, of power. Um, I believe it's twofold. I believe it's a spiritual opening opening of your ears, but I also it's a, believe it's a physical healing for the opening of the ears. And, um, we had two ear issues this morning. Yes. And, uh, you know, uh, we went ahead and just broke right into a healing time in first service. We're going to do that, that at the end of service today, but I encourage you, if you're, if you're needing healing, I wouldn't even wait for the moment to come up to this altar, start asking for your healing right now. And if somebody's praying, you know, th- this may feel uncomfortable, but tell your neighbor, I have this problem right here, and you guys start praying right there in your pew. Don't even listen to me. Just go ahead and pray. And you know what? That's what my message is about, is about us being disciples and us, us, us going out of here laying hands on the sick and the sick recovering, that our ears be opened up, that we receive what it is that we're supposed to get, and that we go out of here and we get with it. So I encourage you right now, if you've got a, if you've got a sickness, go ahead and start praying over that right now. I'm I'm telling you, the Spirit of God is here for healing this morning. He's here to heal your spiritual ears so that you can start to hear His will and His desire for your life. You've been battling not knowing which direction to go. I want you to know if you will just submit yourself, humble yourself, and allow the Lord to move in you this morning, you're going to hear your direction today. You're going to hear your direction today. And if you will believe. Ask for your healing that the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon us today for the deaf ears to hear, for the blind eyes to see, for the mute to speak, for the uh, the lame to walk, for the broken hearted to be comforted. It's time to receive. Amen. Beth, have you got a word or are you just a- agreeing? Well, come on. Beth has a testimony, and I want you to know that we overcome Satan by the power of the word, by the power of his blood, and by the word of our testimony. So I encourage you, just listen, just for a moment. This is Beth Trembly by the way.
2: Many of you don't know, um, Wednesday night I called in for prayer for my aunt, uh, Barbara Wright. She's um, had a bacterial infection affect her blood and her heart and um, this whole week she's been in Nashville in the cardiac intensive care unit she had to have blood transfusion and what the whole bacteria came from was um, not being medicated before a dental procedure and she contracted a beta strep infection and it almost killed her um, Wednesday, when I called for prayer, we had discovered that morning that not only had her heart valve been damaged, but that she had had a stroke and an aneurysm, and they were unable to do corrective valve replacement surgery because of the aneurysm. They would have to repair that first, and normal, normal procedure is after a stroke or a brain repair, they have to wait six weeks in order to do any further surgery. Well, she didn't have two days. And um, we were at a, a real low place on Wednesday. and I called I texted you for prayer and everyone was praying and we found out probably about six, seven o'clock, Wednesday night. I know it was after prayer, that the aneurysm had sealed itself off and the blood had dissipated and they were able to do the heart valve replacement on Friday and she's doing fine right now. Amen. God. Uh, thank you for your prayers.
0: Amen. Thank you. Amen. You know, her calling in uh, for someone else, someone else came up this morning for prayer for someone else. And that's Biblical. You know, the uh, the um, military man that came to Jesus saying, I I have a I have this problem. And Jesus said, let's go to him. And he said, you don't even have to go. I'm a man under authority. Um, Just like just like if you'll just speak the authority, if you will just speak it, I know that it will happen. And the man said, I've never seen any faith like this in all of uh, um, Israel. Um, Beth, I'm going to just bear my soul here. I got that text after 6 o'clock. We were already in worship, so I didn't add it to Wednesday night's prayer. However, you extended your faith. You made that call. You knew that God was in, in control of it. It almost blesses my heart more that we didn't, that it was what you did. But I got it. I immediately called Michelle. got it on our list. It'll be on our list this week. But praise God, it's a praise report. But I got it at 6.06. I think that's when you sent it. And I was already in worship practice, and I missed it. Amen. Amen. But I want you to know it's based on your faith, your faith. You have a part to play in your healing. You're not the healer. Let me just make that clear. You're not God. and You're not the healer, but your requirement is to believe. Amen. Amen. Somebody believe today. Somebody's ears are getting opened up and you're willing to step out and say, okay, I'm going to try you. God, it's all God asks. Just try me. Sure. This is Bill Olinghouse.
3: About two years ago, I had a uh, severe uh, dizziness spell and wound up in the hospital and they were doing tests. And one of the tests that they ran was a, a, I guess it's a sonogram or something that tests the. The flow of your blood through your carotid artery on both sides. Uh, My left side was 70% blocked when they discovered that. And um, we didn't do anything. It's 70% apparently is not a point where you do anything with it. And uh, last time I went to see my doctor, he says it's time we should check that again, see what's happened to it. Uh, So we made the appointment and uh, meanwhile, I've just gone through life kind of forgetting about this. It doesn't affect me, that I know of, anyway. Uh, my wife, the the day of the the test, said, "I'm going to have our Bible study because she's in a women's Bible study group. I'm going to have them pray for me, for me, that it will come back positive." And I said, "Well, okay, go ahead." So you're talking about people. That pray for other right. people. She went and prayed. I had the test done. It's now forty percent, not Amen. seventy.
0: Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's let's uh, let, let me preach, and then maybe at the end we'll we'll get on it. But I, I I do believe there's a spirit for release over the testimony. So Amy, at the end of service. Um, There was a there was a time in in scripture where a group started praying for Peter to be released out of prison. And they were praying, they were on their face and they were giving it everything they had. And Peter showed up at the door and they're sitting there praying, Lord, give us Peter, let him out, let it let his ministry carry on. I can't imagine what they were praying. And he knocked on the door and the girl went to the door and said, who is it? And it's Peter. Like, Well, it can't be Peter. We're praying for Peter. You know, and they got their answer right then. Right then. We need to believe this morning for your healing. We need to believe this morning for your breakthrough, for your marriage, for your family. What are you battling? God is the battler. He's the one. It's his battle. It's not yours. You're mere dust. It's God's battle. It's God's battle. And let me tell you, cancer. MS, depression, addiction cannot stand in the presence of the Lord. And the presence of the Lord is here. All right. Lay it before him today. I've got to go on with this, that this speaks directly to where we are because you're receiving something this morning and it's important that we learn to get it out Uh, I'm finishing up today all of our core values. We've talked about a lot of them. And this last one that we started last week is discipleship. How important it is that we learn to raise up, that we learn to reproduce ourselves. You know, it said in the Great Commission not to go and get everybody saved. It didn't say not to do that, but it said to go and make Disciples. Go into all the earth and make disciples. We've got all these baby Christians that are still babies that nobody's raising up. Can you imagine? And I mentioned this this morning with Robert Owens. They just had a new baby. His life, this new baby, Noah's life did not just end, it just began. At salvation, our life as a Christian just starts. We're just like that newborn baby don't know how to eat, don't know how to do anything. Yet we think in our walk that when we get saved, we've arrived. No, we've just been born. We've just started. And as a church, you know, we have people walk the aisle and they give their heart for the first time. And that's it. Man, that's just the beginning. It says in Scripture with the Great Commission to go into all nations and make disciples. What Jesus did with the twelve. Now you go do that. Are you with me? Spiritual reproduction is what discipleship is all about. We looked at this scripture uh, last time. If any man will do my will, then he will know whether my teaching is of God or not. Did you catch the sequence? If any man, woman, or person will do my will, then he will know whether my teaching is of God or not. Notice that God's will, that doing God's will comes before understanding God's will. Doing God's will comes before understanding. So many times we want to understand before we step out. And it doesn't always work that way. You've got to be willing to obey. It's like my children and walking in the street. They don't have to understand why they can't play in the street. To be honest with you, at a certain age, they don't get it. You know, I, this is—I hate to even tell this this morning—but I was driving to to church this morning, and a squirrel was out in the middle of the road, out on Tenth Street. And I'm doing 35, 40 miles an hour, where it's 45 miles an hour, of course, speed limit. And I see the squirrel, and I start honking. And he tries to run, then he runs right back in front of me, and I hit it. And a couple things—I started thinking if I'd honked, if I hadn't honked my horn, would I've killed it? You know, did I cause that? Did I make him freak out to where he just ran right in front of me? But, you know, that's kind of how we are as baby Christians. We're out there running around in the road and we don't know any better to get out of the way. We're a loose cannon. If I if I will learn to do God's will, then I will know Whether this teaching is of God or not, when I go and I need discernment, if I'm in the will of God, I will know if it's the will of God. Do you want to know the will of God? Start doing God's will, maybe not specific to your life. Do it according to his word and he will start to unveil the specific. Amen. That's good. You know the will of God, not just by thinking, not just by studying, not just by taking out your pen and writing notes, but by when you start to utilize and you start to do God's will. And y'all know my saying, do something. Get out here and do something. At the end of every message, I try pretty hard to ask myself the quick question, now what? With what I've just said, now what? What are we going to do now? What can you do with what I've just given you today? Was there something else that needed to be shared? Is there something that you need to go out and do or exercise? And I'm sure a lot of times you go out of here thinking, now what? What do I do with that? You know, what am I supposed to do? Now what, Paul? You just preached this message. Was there something that needed to be applied? You see, I contend that we are educated as Christians way beyond our level of obedience. What would happen? If after I preached on Sunday morning and gave an application that we didn't have church again until you did it. We wouldn't be back for ever <laughs> until all of you did it. Till all of you did it, 100%. What do we do with God's word? You know, the word was given this morning at first service and then repeated again at second service. It is just as hot as it was in first service. Do you catch that? God's word will not return void. It is just as applicable to your service as it was to first service. You didn't miss out. But the thing is, what are you going to do with it? Are you going to act on it or are you just going to say, oh, it's a good word. No, let's go home and just go eat. Or are you going to act on the word of God? We're going to open up the altar for healing in just a few minutes. Are you going to step out and believe for your healing? Are you going to step out and believe for your marriage, for your children, for your uh, relative that's sick? Or are you just going to go home and just keep going like you have been? What do you do with God's word? What do you do with your teaching? Now, discipleship, last week we looked at what discipleship is not. This morning as I end, we're going to look at what discipleship is. Why do you come to church on Sunday? When I start teaching the Word and we get our pens and papers, start taking notes, do we just keep those notes just for fun or do we go home to apply them to our life? You see, my desire is to make disciples. That's the command that Jesus gives me is to make disciples. Now, let me show you what what discipleship is. Number one, the great commission to go out, to go out, it says in Matthew twenty-eight twenty, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the father, the son, and the Holy spirit and teaching them to obey all that I commanded you, teaching them to obey. I don't think I had the scripture. I did not, um, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. Do you see that? We have a responsibility to obey what God has commanded. Now, the whole grace message wants to get confusing in that, thinking that we don't have to do anything, there's grace. No, I believe that grace works when we try to obey God's word and we fall down and mess up, there's grace. But greasy grace, I made the statement this morning, you know the statement, it's easier to ask permission than forgiveness. It's not a good, not a good way to live. It's easy to ask forgiveness than permission. You know the saying, whether I get it wrong. The negative one that one it's easier to ask forgiveness than permission that's kind of greasy grace you know because if you're the one that needs to be asked you don't really like that situation right are you all with me i don't like to be the one when my kids tell me what they've already done wrong and are asking for forgiveness rather than asking for permission and i believe god's the same way it's 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 manipulating or kind of playing the system. However, I do believe that when you're out here trying to walk correctly, you know God's word, you're trying, but you mess up. How many here knows that you can try to do right and still mess up? Grace. Grace. Great grace. Thank the Lord I don't have to be perfect. If I thought I had to be perfect, I couldn't make it. I can't take that kind of pressure. Because I'm not perfect. I'm not perfect in my marriage. I'm not perfect as a parent. I'm not perfect as a pastor. I'm not perfect as a friend. I'm not perfect. But if I'm trying, thank you, Jesus, for grace. Thank you, Jesus, for mercy. But it says, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. So we saw number one was the great commission to go out. Number two, multiplication through reproduction. We must multiply as Christians because addition will not keep up with the population growth. Let me tell you, I think that the church has slid into addition and we're getting slaughtered by the world. We are not multiplying. Did you know that scripture says that one, one can put a thousand to flight. Two can put 10,000 to flight. My God is a multiplier, not just an adder. He's a multiplier. He's that way in blessing you. He's that way in the seed going out. You know, one seed can produce who knows how much. No one knows how much one seed can produce. Amen? It says in 2 Timothy chapter 2. 1 Timothy chapter 2. And the things that you have received from me in the presence of many witnesses... Those in trust to the faithful men who will be able to teach others also. We have a responsibility to teach. We have a responsibility to receive in this place, to receive in life group, to receive in in, uh, Sunday school and not contain that. Release it. Part of the reason why... Beth Trumbly has her testimony. Part of the reason why Bill Olinghouse has her testimony is to let it out to impact someone else to be healed. The testimony is not just for their ownership to have. It is to be given. We have overcome Satan by the blood of the lamb and by the word of the testimony. Now the testimony has to be given. Finally, Apprenticeship. And I'm not talking about celebrity apprentice. I was talking about it this morning. I, Elizabeth and I have watched that show on and off, and I think it is the dumbest show on TV. <laughs> Yet we still watch it. <laughs> I used to be a big uh, Dukes of Hazard fan. And then as a child, I grew up, and then I saw reports that said that if you watch that show, your IQ actually reduced. Now, I don't know if they, it was an actual study, but it was some official, you know how you believe anything you hear on TV, but I believe when I watch that show, The Apprentice, it, my IQ diminishes. you fight. fired. Okay, that was a good try. That was my impression of Donald Trump. Anyway, we don't need to produce Donald Trumps. That's what he's trying to do. No, we need to produce Disciples. Do you hear me? Apprenticeship. Jesus lived with his men and invested his life in them. And look what he told Paul. Look what Paul says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. He says, we choose to be like children or like a mother nursing her baby. We cared so much for you that you became so dear to us that we were willing to give our lives to you when we gave you God's message. Do you see how Paul would pour his life out? You know, Jesus inspires me and should inspire you in discipleship because there's two models of discipleship. There's the Greek method. There's the Hebrew method. The Greek method was based in teaching. We think of Socrates, Aristotle, Plato, Alexander the Great. And those were kind of based on uh, more of an enlightenment or information that pleased the mind. But Jesus took the Hebrew model and that model is on the job training. Hands-on training. Jesus took his 12 disciples with him and they experienced things together. Discipleship making involves, involves a developmental relationship where a mature Christian invests and mentors a willing apprentice so that not only does he or she uh, mature, but also he or she is trained to multiply themselves. It's not just enough just to raise them up. It's a, You need to raise them up. To do what what you've just taught them to do. You know that that expression, you you, uh, take a a person fishing, they'll eat for a day. You teach them to fish, they'll eat the rest of their life. We're teaching them to fish. Not catching a fish for them. I want to ask you a couple questions. What do you possess spiritually that you can pass on? Do you know anyone that, can, uh, that, that could benefit from your spiritual maturity? And even though you're not perfect, would you commit to multiplying at least one spiritual discipline or quality into someone else? You know, everyone impacts someone, and you are gifted. You know, it's just as my mom was talking about, when the Holy Spirit comes, He comes with gifts. Well, I want you to know everyone is gifted in something. I have certain gifts. My wife has certain gifts. I don't try to teach the gifts that I'm not good at. I try to teach the gifts that I am good at. The things that the Lord has done in me. And I try to improve the ones that I'm not good at. And I try to surround myself with people that can pour into me. I am not strong in mercy. Pastor Stephen is extremely high in mercy. I try to hang with him a lot. And I try to make sure that he handles those sort of things in our staff. Those sort of things in our office. Same thing with my wife. I don't try to do her part. Sometimes I do and I mess it up. Can the women say amen? I'm talking about your husband, not about me. That almost backfired on me right there. Well, we'll just say it was about you, not me. All right. No, I'm kidding. But when I I try to do what I'm not called to do, I get myself in trouble. She has a calling. I have a calling. But are we imparting that into anybody? I guess this morning what I'm trying to say is that as the Church on the Hill family, I have a real desire to grow and develop one another and for us to learn to pour out ourselves into others. You know, Peter tells us that the elderly elderly women are to pour out their lives into younger women. And that there ought to be a desire to enhance the body of Christ. And that we would truly become our brother and sister's keeper. And those who are more experienced in the word should begin to help those who are younger in the word. You know, younger, y- young Christians are so much fun. It's fun to be around a brand new Christian. Why? Because they're on fire. They're joyful. They're excited. You know what our problem is? Our problem is that as older Christians, we kind of get to the level of, you know what? We've been there. We've done that. We've done, we've already worked that out. And all of a sudden we forget that our obligation doesn't stop with our own spiritual development or our growth. But our obligation is to take someone alongside of us and to pour ourselves into someone else. I really desire. I really desire for us as a body to begin to pour our lives into others. You know, you can see that with the outreach that we're trying to do. We're trying to get ourselves out of this building. How can we be salt? How can we be salt if we can't get out of the shaker? We are not called to stay in here and to contain what God has done. God has done something amazing this morning. God has done something amazing this morning, not so that it will stay contained in here, but so that you'll allow yourself to get turned upside down and get shaken and let a little bit of salt come out. We are to go out and we are to impact. Do you remember one of the first ones was being influencers? Not be influenced, but start influencing. That's the salt shaker getting shaken around. And we start influencing to start pouring our lives. You know Jesus did such a good job of this. Jesus modeled for us a lifestyle of spiritual reproduction, on-the-job training. I want you to catch this: Jesus's model for discipleship of spiritual reproduction. Number one is instruction. You know what? They didn't just go out. He taught them. He spent time with them. They got to know him. He got to know them. He got to know their personalities. He knew who they were. He prepared them, but then they didn't sit around and just go through classes for five years. He taught them and they went out. He taught them and they went out. Instruction in real life context. Number two, demonstration in real life context. He not only taught them parables, but he was willing to go out and show them. He was visualizing. He was literally incarnating, fleshing out the truth in them. You know, uh, I I, I keep referring to y'all, and I hope I don't embarrass you, but Ben and Amy Crace are so good at saying, let's just go out and pray for people. Ben, at the end of one of my Wednesday night services, he just said, what are you doing? I kind of want to just go to the hospital, or I want to go to, do you know anybody we can go pray for? I just want to go pray for somebody. You know, and that's what he's talking about. That's what Jesus is talking about, is allowing the Lord to move in you, and then having the desire to go out and do something. It's not enough to leave here and feel good. That's not the intention of church. It's the intention of going out of here and impacting the world for the kingdom. The kingdom is trying to crash in from heaven. And it's our job to uh, release it out into the city. Not in this building. The kingdom of heaven is in this building. It's already here. Do you remember on Wednesday nights? That's what I'm preaching on right now. The kingdom of God is within us. The kingdom of God is here. We have just got to get out into the community and allow it to release out there. How do you do that? You walk out of here and you don't know. You, you're going to fumble around and not know what you're doing. But the word of God says, lay, hand on, lay hands on the sick and the sick will recover. Go do it. Go try it. Go, Just go try it. Let the results be God's issue. Not yours. It's not yours. Judah in worship this morning, uh, we'd already prayed over everybody. And he just said, and I'm up here. And he's like, what? He said, put your hand on my head. My head's hurting right back here. And I put my hand on it. He said, no, not right there, right here. I moved my hand. No, not right there, right here. And I just about said, enough. God knows where it's at. But you know what his faith was? Get your hand on it. You know what? It's based on where your faith is. Where's your faith? And Judah was saying, I want your hand on it. I'm like, okay, I'm going to pray where your faith is. Where's your faith? When you come up here, I'm going to ask you, what are you wanting prayer for? What are you believing for? Because I'm going to agree with you. The, The woman with the issue of blood fought her way through the crowd just to touch him. And what did Jesus say? Your faith has healed you. Your faith. Now, catch it now. We're not the healer. But what he was saying was your belief in my ability to heal you, healed you. Healing has been fully provided if you will just fight with all you've got to touch me. Demonstrate. Go out of this place and try You know, when the disciples said, Lord, teach us to pray. Why did they do that? Because they had seen Jesus go away and pray and come back with power. They had seen all these things happen due to their prayer. They've come and said, Jesus, we can't cast this demon out. He said, that one has to be done with prayer. And as they saw that, they saw what was in Jesus and started to hunger for what he had. They started to want to know. That's why they said, teach us to pray. Number three, and I'm almost done exposure it's where jesus would take the disciples and they would go out and they would try it and then finally accountability or assessment after they tried it after they experimented they came back and they talked about it you know if you understand church history you know discipleship did real good for the first 300 years you know the the church would grow Christians and start producing Christians. But in AD 313, Emperor Constantine made Christianity a state religion. The worst thing that ever happened was when the head honcho officially ordered that everybody has to do it. And when he said that, he allowed people who weren't Christians into the church. And all of a sudden, this vibrant body of Jesus Christ, this community that's been reproducing, became a sterile institution. And we dropped the ball. Since then, the church has been trying to come back to reproducing itself. Think just for a moment, if each one of you just reproduced one. Just think if we just reproduced each individual here today, just reproduced one. The numbers would be staggering. The numbers would be staggering. But what's happened? Why? How did we drop the ball? Number one, it's human nature. It's human nature just to think... Ah, uh, you know, I just kind of get comfortable. Let me just go in and just sit in the, in the pew. Let me just coast and relax and rest and lay back. And you know what? That, that, that happens to us all. I've been there. We get into the path of least resistance. But number two, there was this fight between uh, clergy and laity. Clergy and laity happened. This wide gap began to happen. Basically saying that the church believes that there are these professionals that should do it all. We should pay them and they should do the work and we're going to call them pastoral staff or leadership. There's a tendency to say, I'm just going to sit in the pew and let the leadership do it. All we are is laity anyway. My desire here at church on the hill with clergy and laity stuff. Let's leave it out. We don't need clergy and laity. Instead, we're all a part of the body of Christ. And we all have spiritual gifts. And do you know that you're as responsible for your spiritual gift as I am for mine? Do you know that you're going to be held accountable for what God has given you? And so am I. You're gifted for something. I'm gifted for something. But just because I'm pastor doesn't mean I'm any more accountable for my spiritual gifts than you are for yours. You have to utilize yours. You have to utilize yours. What my desire is today is to encourage you. I believe, number one, that the Lord has spoken and said, I've opened your ears to be able to hear my word. And let me tell you, that's, that's a huge thing. That's a huge thing. Because we come in here with everything else trying to keep our ears closed. But how important it is that you start to attempt to follow God's, pl- God's desire. You don't have to get it right. You just have to try. You just have to try. You know, the steps of a righteous man are ordered by God. But you have to walk righteously before your steps are ordered. How can we walk righteously? We can't without Jesus. But now that we have Jesus, we start to get to know who he is. And as we start to try to walk righteously, it says practice righteousness as I am righteous. That means you're not going to get it right all the time. But if you are trying if you are trying, then his will begins to be revealed to you. And grace kicks in and mercy. And you know what it says about the blessings of the Lord? If you'll obey him, that the blessings of the Lord will find you and overtake you. You don't have to go looking for him. You're not going to be left out because you didn't know Jehovah, the Lord is Jehovah Jireh. If, if you're serving God, you don't have to know who he is to receive what he's got. My kids don't have to know how I can bless them for me to bless them. They just have to receive it. Sometimes we bless them with piano lessons, and they don't think that's really that much of a blessing. They don't realize that yet. They don't realize that us making them go is a blessing to them. They just don't know it yet. It is a blessing. That's one way that we can bless. Another way is by giving them toys. They kind of know that blessing. But they don't know the blessing that they get when they sit down to eat a breakfast or a lunch, or a dinner, they're not thinking, man, praise God for this blessing. We just bless them. God blesses you every day in so many ways, just by making it to church here this morning. God has blessed you. By being here and being able to hear God's word and be able to leave here with a little bit of belief that you can make it through what you've got. You can. You can make it through what you've got ahead of you. Let the Lord bless you by you obeying Him, by you stepping out. And somebody needs prayer in your work. And I encourage you, risk it all. Somebody says, man, my neck's hurting. Let me pray with you. I guarantee you they won't, they won't resist it. Even people that don't believe will let you pray. You, you, you know, when Jesus healed the sick out of compassion, when Jesus was moved with compassion, He did it to bring glory to the Father. Try your day to bring glory to the Father through somebody else. You want out of your hole, as Burton has talked so long over getting out of your pit, you want to get out of your pit, help somebody out of their pit. God's going to do it in you. I just want to encourage you. Man, let's go. Don't stay in here. Get out. Get out. Spread your salt. Spread your salt. Father, I just thank you for this morning. Lord, I just ask that that, that this word, that this seed would go down deep, Lord. This is, this is directly your word of the great commission to go out and to make disciples. Father, I pray over my staff and over our leadership, Lord, that we would follow your desire. And Lord, that we would be successful in making disciples. And Lord, I ask that as that trickles on down into into the general body right here, Lord, that it would be grabbed hold of and pushed forward, Lord. Not waiting for something to happen, going and making something happen. Not watching the plays go by, but being a part of the play. Lord God, help us. You may be here today and you may have say, Pastor, I've never even received Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. If that's you, today is the day. Today is the day. That is the first step toward what I'm talking about. And you know what? It's the most important step. You need to give your heart to Jesus. And to start this new life. You've come in here with such, such a horrible past. With so much sin in your life that you feel like you cannot even move forward. I want you to know today a new day. You can start completely clean. For Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins. Things that you could not clean up. He died on the cross to cleanse you of all of your sins. If that's you, I just want you to slip your hand up and say, Pastor, I need Jesus. Nobody looking around. I want to receive Jesus today. Amen. Well, I want to open this altar. I want to open up the altar to healing. I believe the power of God is here to heal. Pastor Stephen, if you'll come up. Those that are ministering, y'all come up. I'm going to be down here uh, to pray over everyone that comes up. And as I, as we start praying, I'm going to ask Amy to come on up and give her testimony as we start to pray over over you. And I want everybody to stand up. Amy, I want you to come up on stage so they can see you. And as soon as she's done, Tammy's going to just sing for us. But we want to pray with you. This is Amy Grace.
4: i um. In Sunday school, we talked a little bit about recognizing the presence of God. And I don't know about you guys, but since we've been sitting in here, I just—I have just jumping in me, just waiting to see what God has been doing already through this service, which I think we're going to hear testimony for, but what he's going to do even more now and when we leave today. I just maybe said so I didn't eat breakfast and I've had a lot of coffee, but, you know, it's just I feel excitement and jittery inside. Um, the two main testimonies I have to share is last week we prayed Um, at the end of the service for our friend Nicola, who has been a missionary in Yemen. And um, we got the email just before we came in that she had a really rough night. She almost died. And we cried out in prayer. And and it was specific. The Lord said to me, have the whole church cry out together. Um, Caleb had shared with me a testimony a few weeks ago about how, how his whole church had cried out for someone, and they were healed Um, and so I just, that's what I just felt like the Lord was reminding me of that testimony. So as we cried out, I was so eager. I kept checking the email, kept checking the email to see if we'd gotten another word from them. Um, and just an hour after we left here, we had gotten an email saying that she had, um, pulled through. And that she was doing well And she was actually um, having a lot less pain And so I I think it Technically it had already happened But somehow our prayers worked Retroactively and I can't explain that In the kingdom but you know God knows that Um, Also the other thing Is that um, on Monday night we met For the monthly intercessory Prayer night And um, we were praying specifically about getting um, The finances for the The new building And um we prayed that that people would find money that had been lost or that they didn't know they had or would get inheritances, not that someone would have to die, but you know that someone might give money um, ahead of time. And um, Ben and I went to meet with a financial planner this week, and we pulled out our paperwork, and we found money um, that we had um, from a retirement account when we were with the International Mission Board overseas that we could roll over into um, a different place. And so it wasn't earning any money and now maybe it will. I mean, it's not a huge thing, but we found it. We didn't know. We, you know, we knew it was probably somewhere, but we didn't know. And so I'm just praising God that, you know, he, we prayed, we asked on Monday, we met with a guy, I think on Tuesday or Wednesday, I sent the testimony out to some friends. So thank you Jesus for that. And, um, I just really, I really, um, Hope that you guys are coming with a spirit of expectation today because there is, there's something going on here. I mean, Pastor Paul's words were awesome.